Welcome to Fanboy News Network, your guide to geek culture. I'm Jeff Harris. And I'm Daniel Christensen. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is 2020. I can see clearly now. Yep. And, uh, oh, by the way, have you heard this thing about uh, writing documents this year? Yeah. And putting dates down? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have taken the habit of actually writing out 2020, because it's the one year where people could put whatever date they want on the end. I'm just so deeply amused at the idea that it mainly revolves around people writing checks. And I'm like, people write checks? I did something earlier where I had to fill out a date on a document. And I went ahead and and did the full date just because, you know, it's one of those, it's better safe than sorry. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's just one of those things where it's one of those, oh, physical media, how quaint. Um, so we missed our December recording. Uh, because reasons. Yeah, uh, holidays, life, yeah. we were busy, stuff was happening. Holidays. I just, yeah. yeah. So it, it, you know, the logistics, plus you were out of town for a bit. Well, no, I wasn't out of town, but it was that my mother was in town. Which is like you being out of town. Yes, and my mon- I no longer need to repeat the mantra, I look terrible in orange. I look terrible in orange. I look terrible in orange. There's a story behind that, folks. Well, we're not necessarily going to get into it here because we only have an hour. I will simply leave it with the words of George Burns, who once said, "Happiness is having a large, loving, well-connected family in a different city." Yeah. So, um, what I actually would like to start out with before we get into our normal shenanigans, uh, I, I have mentioned of late, abnormal shenanigans. Okay. Uh, well, this is now going to be normal shenanigans. Ah. So. In our last couple episodes, we talked about I started a Twitch channel. Yes. And I was playing around with how I want to do the Twitch channel, what I want it to be like. Well, we now have a regular schedule. Dun, dun, dun. I, I am now uh, on appointment, essentially, uh, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I will do a three-hour stream of whatever game I am currently playing. I right now, so I've got a regular audience of about, I have about five people who show up on my stream regularly and interact. Um, I'm up to 25 followers. For a new stream, we're building nicely. It helps that I'm keyed in with an existing Twitch community who shows up. The wrestlers? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. the wrestling community. Um, so, yeah, and to the point of I will have, you know, one uh, week when I was not able to stream on Monday because of something going on, I rescheduled, because uh, it was the 30th, so I ended up rescheduling doing a New Year's Eve marathon stream. Oh, as in watch your brain slowly shut down from slack of sleep? Yeah, yeah, which is exactly what happened. Awesome. Uh, but I have people will now actually reach out to me online going, are we, are we streaming tonight? It's become where they want to hang out. So, hey, you know, some success. It, and interestingly, even though I'm playing the game, we'll talk about a lot of things during the stream. So we'll talk about things we talked about here. We'll talk about movies. Um, we'll get off on other tangents. Since it's, like you said, the wrestling community, we'll sometimes discuss things there. But I have people who come to the stream from that community and people who know me in real life who are joining the stream that know I'm doing it. So, yeah, it's it's a growing concern, and who knows, if I keep it this way, I might even make affiliate. Hey, go for it. So if you're interested, it's uh, twitch.tv slash doctor underscore Caliban, and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and every Monday night, 6 p.m. Pacific to 9 p.m. Pacific. Awesome. With that, uh, what have you seen recently? Oh, good heavens. Well, uh, big things of note. Uh, well, shout out to my brother and sister-in-law who gifted me with a copy of Good Omens on disc. So I got to watch Good Omens uh, with uh, David Tennant, which was lovely and wonderful. And we can d deep dive into that if we want to at another time. But suffice to say, I thought it was wonderful. Uh, in the theater, I actually got to see a sneak preview. It it's kind of loses its oomph now, but I got to see a sneak preview of Knives Out before everyone else got to see it. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. Well, okay. So I have seen Knives Out. It, yes. It was, when it came out, it was important to me to get to see it in the theater before it got spoiled. Well, yeah. It's a mystery. So this is one of the things where the enjoyment can be ruined by getting a spoiler. Well, the the hard part is is that it's one of those things where there there's so many layers and twists on twists on twists, you know, obviously not saying not giving anything away, but it's really difficult to spoil something like that short of just being a dick about it. Well, I know, and I managed to avoid this, but I knew some people were going online going, X is the killer. So that was, and it was people who were being jerks towards Ryan Johnson. Yeah, well, go figure. And, uh, but it was, I felt a very enjoyable. Now, I would like to see it again, uh, much like, have you ever seen the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman? Nope. So it's a ghost story. Yeah. And it has see a, also why I haven't seen it. It's yes. a and it's got a spectacular <laughs> twist. Yeah. And watching it a second time was an enjoyable but very different experience, knowing the twist going in. So I want to watch Knives Out again, yeah. having the entire knowledge of what's really going on and seeing how it affects the experience. I suspect because the characters are so rich, it's still going to be very enjoyable. I have to say, I actually did that because my wife and I saw it when it first, like I say, we got the sneak preview before Thanksgiving. But then when my mom was in town, we went and saw that again. Um, fun side note, she was like, I thought we were going to go see the new Star Wars movie. I'm like, Mom, you haven't seen the inter the, the Star Wars between this one and the last one that you saw. Oh, there was another one? Yeah, Mom. <laughs> so I have seen Knives Out twice in the theater. Uh, best part was is that the second time we actually got tickets early, so I wasn't staring up everyone's nose the entire movie. Um, but yeah, it is. it does make for an enjoyable watch through the second time, even knowing what's going to happen. And they, they do actually give you a couple little things that if you know to look for them you can you can see hints well and it was successful enough it was huge success oh yeah uh i mean especially on the the budget versus um box office, box office yeah. ratio the studio was thrilled enough that they've already said okay let's let's do another one and ryan johnson's like sure uh, we just build another. You, the Daniel Craig character, the detective, mm -hmm. is going to be the through character who's who could very well end up becoming uh, up there with the other. Because you you yourself had said you likened it to Agatha Christie. Oh yes, it it it, it has that same sort of uh, closed closed box of a situation 
complete and replete with family dra- dysfunctional family drama, which it's like, oh, I'll eat that up with a spoon. <laughs> so one thing that I caught, and this is me, and th- you know, it's, it's interesting, uh, my sister Jill, one of the things that she just boggles at is I can spot an actor and go, oh, I remember them from this. Yes. I had that moment of, and sometimes it's the, where do I know this actor from? But there was one that's like, as soon as he showed up on screen, it's like, he seems vaguely familiar. Then he opened his mouth and went, oh, it's Frank Oz. Yes. <laughs> Fra- to, to be honest, Frank Oz was a surprise because normally I can hear more of the Fozzie Miss Piggy tone in his voice. Mm-hmm. And that was not, I did not catch that this time. Yeah. Um, it's, well, and it was me hearkening back to him in, in Blues Brothers. Oh, yes. Is, is how my connection made. One soiled. Yeah. So, yeah, that was fun. The, but you've... Is there oh, anything else on uh, that? The, the only... The thing I was going to add in was uh, the uh, the police lieutenant, Lakeith Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, who I just saw in... Um... Never mind. Go on. Um, well, yeah. actually, not never mind. Go on, because I immediately went, oh, hey, it's the dude from Get Out. Oh, see, I didn't realize he was in Get Out. I, I was familiar with him from, I think he was in Sorry to Bother You? Uh, he may have been. Um, I just, I saw him, and again, it's that pickup. It's like, oh, he's familiar. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, the, he's one of the actors from Get Out. And who had, honestly, I think one of the really interesting acting challenges yeah. in that movie of, of effectively having to play two different characters. Ah, here we go. Yes, Lakeith Stanfield, and yes, he was in Sorry to Bother You, which is another movie that I saw since last we recorded. That thing is Get Out meets Brazil. It's a fun little mind bend of a magical surreality sort of movie. Weird. Well, and it hasn't come across my radar, but I'll have to, to, to give it a look. So you, however, have already brought up the Bantha in the room. (laughs) <laughs> not the wampa come on you know what banthas are more size equivalent okay fair enough um yeah the uh yeah we had uh star wars the rise of skywalker yes. has come out and let's make like a tauntaun and just crawl right into that wow no well done uh, Nor- that, that wasn't even i was like wow <laughs> <laughs> we've known each other for 20 way, years way too long <laughs> anyway the um all right, so this is touted as the the completion of the Skywalker saga. It, it it fulfills what George Lucas had originally said about nine movies encompassing the saga. Yes, uh, nine uh, for mortal men doomed to die. Something, something, something. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, as has been stated, there will be more Star Wars coming out. Oh yes, and we'll touch on that in a bit. But the idea that the Skywalker story has been wrapped up and yes. we are done with these characters. Yes. Um, and that's, I almost feel that whole declaration put maybe even more weight on this movie than maybe it needed. Yes, well, it's a culmination of the third trilogy. It's a culmination of the third trilogy. <sighs> okay, here's what I'm struggling with. Okay. Um, I know that there have been a lot of critiques of it. Uh, Jennifer Lovely actually posted a video. It's an hour long. I haven't watched it yet, but I want to to -hmm. get into some of the more meat and potatoes critique of it. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I'm struggling with, you know, I, I come from a mythological background. I could see 
not just the hero's journey, but where Lucas was going with a lot of this fall and redemption and redemption and fall thing. Um, but I'm struggling with the, the drawing the line between parallelism and rehash. Because there are some very strong similarities between Force Awakens and New Hope, between Last Jedi and Empire, between uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker and Return of the Jedi. Um, and some of them, yes, it's a nice harken back and it's a, it's a parallelism that, that gives an extra depth to the story. And sometimes it's just, really? Really, really? So that's just me. I think in the end, I certainly enjoyed the film. Yeah. But I also see where some of the criticisms come with. And in the end, what I think it's a case of they brought back J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Versus having Ryan Johnson. And part of me wonders what the Ryan Johnson version of this movie would have looked like versus what the J.J. Abrams version is. Part of it is J.J. Abrams, and this is has a criticism he has always dealt with in his career, uh, starting with Lost, is he suffers from largely the same problem that Neil Stephenson, the author, suffers from. <laughs> yep. He, he really isn't good at, at, at endings. He, he builds great stories. He builds great intricacies. But when it comes to, you know, tying the bow on the end... Uh, he, he, it's sort of like he had a lot of fun getting there and then, oh, I I have to actually have a purpose. Well, and this one does, it's just, I got a feeling it was playing a little broad on the nostalgia. Now, one thing I liked, and this is a bit spoilery if you haven't seen the movie, but at this point. It's, it's been out for almost a month, three weeks. And I mean, it is literally a plot point that is brought up in the opening crawl. Yeah. Um, I do like the aspect that the villain of the entire nine movie saga is Palpatine. Yes. Um, that, that, that is a nice touch. Um, it, it, it's in, interesting in that it actually has, I mean, there is, it is not just the Skywalker nonology, would that be? Saga. That's Skywalker. what we're using. We're going beyond trilogy. It's becoming saga. Now. Okay, it's like the Hitchhiker trilogy. Yeah, has, well, what, five books. In I'm it? thinking more like with Marvel, they called the entire ah. first section the Infinity Saga. True. So we're we're using saga now. All right. So it's it's the Skywalker saga, um, and it may as well even be it's the Skywalker Palpatine yeah. saga. But be that as it may, the. You do touch on the on the point though is that this is this is becoming a re- regular and recurring theme with geek culture in specific and frankly media in in general people can drag stuff out well uh but the 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 wrapping it up and putting on a bow on it and sticking the landing that is a that is a skill that is either not taught or not remembered but because you look at what's happened just within the last 12 months with uh uh Game of Thrones as well. I mean that that was a giant lead up for a less than satisfying ending. Yeah. Well, I think it's also to the point of when somebody does stick the landing, 
you can it really gets celebrated because oh they uh, and again I think the best example and it is not a show for everyone but Breaking Bad yeah Breaking Bad worked really hard to get to a satisfying conclusion of their entire story yeah it's uh, it's a challenge yes. and it's I think you also see this with authors who have longstanding book series yeah if they don't have a plan I think the other case where I think it worked because there was a plan. I think that's the big thing. Do you have a plan? Even though his overall arc got messed up by issues with the networks on whether or not they were going to renew things, J. Michael Straczynski was able to satisfyingly wrap up Babylon 5 because he had a plan. Well, he had a plan. He he satisfyingly wrapped it up at the end of season four, even though he was... <laughs> yeah, and then you... Well, if you ignore season five, if you take season four... And then you take the very final episode, yeah. put them all together, you have a great series. Exactly. Well, and I guess, okay, I'm once again going to show our collective age. I'm going to fade back to MASH. Yeah. And the final episode of that, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, I can tell you that now, and it's been, what, 40 years? Yeah. And because that is one of the few cases... That does stick the landing in a way that does stand the test of time and makes it unique. Well, another one, and interestingly, both involved Alan Alda, mm -hmm. uh, West Wing. Oh, yeah. West Wing also had a set. So, but, and these are things that not only, there's shows where I enjoyed them kind of watching them, but the ending was so bad I can never revisit. Yep. How I Met Your Mother. Yep. Uh, is a, I've I've for long railed about how um, Smallville could have been considered an okay show, uh, except they botched the ending so bad. Uh, it just it's not worth revisiting. Yeah. And um, but these other shows, I mean, West Wing. I've lost track of how many times I've rewatched the series. Oh. That's my comfort food television, and part of it's because I know even if you get through the rough periods in its run. Uh, you still have a satisfying beginning and a satisfying ending and really great episodes in the middle. Well, I mean, yes, watching West Wing is is in one way similar to reading Robert Heinlein. Yeah. Reading Robert Heinlein, you can read through and kind of go, oh, that's where he went insane. Yeah, Number you, of the Beast. Yeah. You, you, can, you can watch through West Wing and kind of go, oh... That's where Aaron Sorkin developed a Coke problem. Actually, it's, oh, that's when they let go Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, potato, potato. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's um, so for going back to, to the Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a wrap-up. I don't know that it's necessarily the wrap-up. It, it's, it's certainly not a botched no. ending. Uh, but it's not the, the judges give it a 10 that some of these other... On a scale from something from How I Met Your Mother mm -hmm. to Goodbye Farewell and I Amen, mm -hmm. it's it is closer to the end of Mash than it is to yeah. Mother. However, um, yeah. So uh, it and with whatever else they are developing next, one of the things we've seen in so much other media is that Star Wars is this wonderfully robust universe where there's many potential stories well yes um rogue one gave us a hint of that even though it tied in with the saga oh, yeah. um it did bring us original characters and 
skipping away from movies for a second, um, <laughs> while, while there has been much gnashing of teeth from some quarters, um, we, I think we can all agree that Baby Yoda has united us all. Uh, in our last episode, we had talked about our anticipation of The Mandalorian. About your anticipation. My anticipation yes. of The Mandalorian, yeah. And what we ended up with was, was uh, an even better payoff than maybe had been expected. Um, so the, the big thing, of course, the, the whole point was a lot of people, and I remember I uh, made the point myself, you know, you're, hide, you're hiring Pedro Pascal to do a part where you're never going to see his face. Well, after what they did to his face in the last show, he was. Yeah, you made that joke last time. Yes, because <laughs> come on, it was a bit of a shocker. But here, he's joined the same club as Hugo Weaving and Carl Urban of, I don't care if you see my face, I'm going to give you the performance you deserve. He and, and a lot of people point out he makes a lot of great use of his body language yep. and his voice, and it works great. And from what I understand, I mean, there are some shots where it's not actually Pedro because, hey, it's much easier to hide a stuntman if you can't see well, the actor's face. That. But majority of the time, it's actually him in the costume. Yeah. And, of course, the, the, the first episode spoiler that everyone knows now because the show that launched a thousand memes... The only one that I know of is Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Okay. Well, the, and here's a, you know, the, the Baby of Yoda's race. Where he is still a mystery. Well, I'm sorry, but that is going to... Splitting the hair between, Mm -hmm. you know, Baby Yoda, which is neither a baby nor Yoda. Mm -hmm. Holy Roman Empire was neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. It's... It's becoming almost like Frankenstein versus Frankenstein's monster. It kind of is. I, I understand that there's a desire to split, the, to thread that particular needle. And at the same time, there's no way to do it without sounding like a pedantic git. Yeah. So I mean, in the in the Bible of the show, yes, uh, that character is either the child, yes, or the asset, yes. Uh, and I think it finally settled on child. But in in popular culture, he is Baby Yoda. Yes. And I think one of the beautiful things, and apparently it's really interesting. Uh, I was reading interviews. So Werner Herzog. <laughs> I still can't hear that without laughing, that they stuck Werner Herzog in a Star Wars movie. Well, do you know why he took the part? <laughs> On a bet? To finance his next film. Of course. The money he got for being in Mandalorian is financing his next film. I'm, but I'm, I'm sorry, that's... That... That's the reason, I'm sorry, again, showing my age, that's why we have Ghostbusters 2 and uh, uh, Razor's Edge. The, yeah. only, the only reason why Bill Murray agreed to do Ghostbusters 2 was because he wanted to do his version of Somerset Maugham's Razor's Edge. Yeah, but this is Werner Herzog. That's not saying much. I'm not a huge fan. Okay, I am. <laughs> I, I actually like his work. But here's the thing. So he didn't really, he wasn't terribly familiar with Star Wars. <laughs> but once he was on set... And understood what he was doing, mm-hmm. he bought in completely. He he and Favreau, apparently they did fine uh, together, but he was very adamant with Favreau, whatever you do, do not give in to the temptation to do a CGI version of the child. Yeah. The puppeteering is magic. <laughs> do not make that mistake. Yes. Um, that's the level that he bought into, even though his whole reason, I mean, you understand, you know, it, it makes perfect sense that that's exactly why he would do that. He wanted the money to make his next documentary. Of course. But... But beyond that, you do have the brilliant puppeteering, which, again, as we saw in 
the prequel trilogy versus The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Puppet Yoda is the superior Yoda. Puppet Yoda is the superior Yoda. Frankly, I, I, it's getting to the point where practical effects are winning the day. Yeah. More and more. Um, one thing before we stray too much for, further from Uncle Werner and uh, in The Mandalorian, um, I do have to add, th- when I think Werner Herzog... In my mind, he is very similar to Richard E. Grant, it, at least in facial structure. Yeah, I, I see that. And but to have Richard E. Grant show up as the as one of the big bads in well, the moderate bads mm-hmm. in uh, the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, I I couldn't stop giggling the entire time. To my dying day, that man will be the love interest opposite Steve Martin from L.A. Story. Till the day I die. <laughs> wow. Um, for me, it's Hudson Hawk, but that's a very personal taste. Well, yes. Well, so the other thing with The Mandalorian, though, and I think part of what helped with it, it does show, hey, there's an entire universe that it touches on. I mean, it's set five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And it really does touch on about what happened in the galaxy post-Empire, post-The Empire. Yeah. It also, uh, it uses little bits that show, oh, these things that, you know, the heroes of the saga dealt with handily, other people would find a major threat. It also expands a lot on what is a Mandalorian, what is their deal, um, and at no point, you know, it, it feels so enmeshed in the Star Wars universe while going on these corners that you just don't have a time to go into a movie. Um, so it's, plus, you know, yes, it's Star Wars, so they were able to get the impressive guest cast. They of were course. able to get Clancy Brown, which is his, his third time. Third uh, time in Star Wars, first time actually on set, and even then under heavy makeup. I'm still gl- so glad to see him getting work. I yeah. have always enjoyed Well, him. he's been a favorite for years, so yeah. Seeing him is always a joy for me. Uh, Ming Na Wen ah, yes. has a guest spot. Um, it, just a, an impressive array of actors and actresses show up in part because, hey, we now get to be part of Star Wars. Well, it, hey, we get to be part of Star Wars and it's the mouse. Yeah. So it's, it is, it was an excellent choice to start off Disney Plus. Yes. Uh, it got the cultural conversation going. It's the main reason anyone even did a trial was to, to hey, we apparently have to watch this show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, I basically I feel a success. Plus, there's a there's they did a bunch of really interesting geek Easter eggs. <laughs> One of the best was they had a, a had an episode where they needed a whole bunch of stormtroopers and their budget did not include having that many. Uh, armor. So they got the fan organization, the oh, 501st Legion. 501st Legion. I love it. <laughs> uh, showed up as, because, and they got paid as extras, but they provided their own costumes. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, I'm so happy for those guys because those guys who've been fans of Star Wars to the point of making their own costumes got to legitimately be part of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. No, that, I mean, that ranks right up there with when they put out the call for uh, people to show up for, uh, what is it, Riders of Rohan and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's like, bring your own horse, you can be in it. It's like, okay. They uh, 
the uh, w- one of the main weapons that the Mandalorian uses is um, modeled after the weapon Boba Fett uh, had in the animated segment of the Star Wars Holiday Special, his first appearance. My friend, that is pro- okay. Please understand the gravitas of this situation. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the nerdiest things I've ever heard you say. Oh wait. Oh, there's more. Uh, when the stormtroopers show up, they're on a transport that has never appeared. There was a Star Wars toy in the original Kenner's toy that was a troop transport that had never been filmed. But for this, that's how the stormtroopers show up. Uh... <laughs> I want out of this tauntaun. Oh, my God. So, um, speaking of... Disney Plus. Yes. So everyone with Disney Plus has either been talking about uh, rewatching the Star Wars cartoons, uh, catching up on some of the old movies. Uh, the only thing of the original series they talk about is The Mandalorian, but there was another original series I really enjoyed mm-hmm. called The Imagineering Story. Ah, yes. And this is a six part uh, docuseries. Uh, covering the history of Disney Imagineering, the organization that Walt Disney created to build the theme parks. Yep. And it covers their history from Walt and the the building of the original Disneyland through creation of Galaxy's Edge and projects they're working on now that they haven't even put the rides in yet at the parks. Wow. So six episodes, uh, and it generally kind of, does by eras. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the Walt era. This was the immediate post-Walt era. Um, and it goes through the ups and downs. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It talks about the rough stuff mm-hmm. that it ha- that uh, they went through. It talks about times Imagineering almost was folded. Um, and But a lot of it is also going to a level of depth on what they did to build certain facets of the park that me, a Disney park nerd, there was things I'd never seen before. Wow. Um, that is saying a lot. Especially with the they, the second episode has a huge section on the Haunted Mansion. Which I'm sure you have watched several times by now. Uh, at least twice, yeah. 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 So that's, that's some other things. So I'm, obviously the, the next big thing that people are waiting on from Disney Plus is the Marvel Universe series. Oh, right. So we've got, uh, currently filming is the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series and the Scarlet Witch series WandaVision, which is the Scarlet Witch and Vision show uh we want division <laughs> that's yeah it's and then we've got um the loki series that oh, is coming good out heavens they are just going full oh, yeah. on this and they have promised a hawkeye series but i think that is the one they have not started filming yet and they just announced they're going to do she hulk and miss marvel and moon knight and everyone's going oh who moon knight got a lot of people excited to be honest this is where I say who? So Moon Knight... Okay, how do I describe Moon Knight? Moon Knight... Okay, you know, Are you comfortable? I'm sitting down. All right. So Marvel at one point uh, had a series of comics that were really popular in the 70s featuring horror-based characters. And I mean, literally, this is Tomb of Dracula that was a Dracula series that introduced Blade the Vampire Hunter. Ah, him. 
and then a series Werewolf by Night, where the protagonist was a werewolf. They also had a Frankenstein series, but... By Night, probably. Yes, and so. Werewolf by Night introduced a superhero character named Moon Knight, who was hunting the werewolf, but eventually became a hero in his own right. He is a superhero who is a dedicant of an Egyptian god whose pledge is to protect those who travel by night. He's kind of a Batman-esque character with a little bit of a mythological edge. One of the interesting things about Moon Knight, his costume is all white. Of course. And somebody once asked, why, why do you do all white? I want my enemies to see me coming. Of course. And the, the Moon Knight series will include Dracula and Werewolf by Night. Sure. Which everyone's like, okay, so we're going to finally get the Marvel Dracula is going to show up somewhere. A lot of people are like, is this where they're going to bring in Blade? Because they've, they've already cast the new Blade. Really? Rashala Ali from... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's... You know, he, uh, fant- I'm like, so you got a fantastic actor... What a shock. Marvel got a fantastic actor who's going to play an interesting character. Well, they already had him in a sense because he was the... He, he was uh, Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. Well, I was also thinking he was uh, the uncle in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, he was all... Yes, you're right. These are both true. Uh, but now he's also going to be... Into the Spider-Verse, they get a pass that was animated. Yes, and it was amazing. And they're they're decanonizing Luke Cage because Feige can't. But he's now going to be Blade. I'm like, I'm perfectly okay with that. But yeah, so these are the series. So that's the next thing. Uh, I think the last thing on TV. Ooh. Oh, you got something? I do have All something right. on TV. All right. What do you have? What do you have? We, I'm just going to touch on it right now, and we can revisit it after you after you see. When it. has that ever stopped us on things you haven't seen? I understand, but this is important because I know for a fact that you can vivisect this even deeper than I can. Okay. I'm just going to say for the record that uh, we finished. My wife and I finished the HBO Watchmen series, and I have to say beyond a shadow of a doubt that was the best superhero based movie series that I have seen in the last decade. So so here's where I'm going to be interested when I finally get a chance to watch it. Yes. So my understanding is this is not a sequel to the movie. It is directly addressing events from the graphic novel, including events that were not touched on in the movie. Yes. I mean, keeping in mind that the, the from based on what I've seen, the only divergence in between the movie and the comic book is how uh, Veidt did what he did. That was it. They also glossed over things. You know, they didn't, they, yeah, just because they could. So, or they didn't have enough time yeah. to get into everything. Uh, my other understanding is um, that they remembered that when Moore was writing this, Moore did not necessarily consider any of these characters a hero. Yes. And that, uh, that you know, he never intended Rorschach to be a role model. He never intended uh, Ozymandias to be a role model. Yeah. Uh, he he wanted those, those uh, faults to be clear and that the series picks up on that and doesn't shy away from it. Yeah. In glorious, vivid detail. The, the whole idea is that these are people are not well. 
and they are acting out of not out of some truth justice in the american way motivation and it unflinchingly looks at it through the lens of all the crip that has happened in the last century in this country. You can say bullshit. That doesn't get touch I, our BG rating. Yes, and I was just going to allow the, you to have that honor for a change. Huh? Seeing as I usually am the one that jumps I, in oh, with I, that. I, I had plans on that one later. But oh, okay. um, my, my one thing, though, from what I've read is it touches on an actual event in American history that has up till now been largely swept under the rug. Yes. And that being the Tulsa. Here's the first thing. The Tulsa race riots. I am offended by them being called race riots. Makes it... It obscures what it was. Yeah, it was a massacre. It was a massacre. It was white people massacring black people. It was the first time bombs got dropped on the continental United States from an airplane. And it was dropped by the Klan and it aided and abetted by the National Guard on black people who just had the, the temerity to become rich. Yeah. So... so let, let, let's just say that from the get-go. And But... The fact of the matter is, the series exists and that it became a success meant that story had to be talked about. Yes. Uh, thus, I feel that part, even though uh, grumpy Uncle Alan wanted nothing to do with it, I'm sure he could at least be proud that that aspect of his uh, anarchistic nature <laughs> was it, in full display. Everything, okay, I, I'm not a more ologist by any stretch of the imagination i do understand i have a basic understanding of his motivations for doing watchmen and the the trajectory that he was headed with and i would say i i can say confidently that i believe this to be a worthy successor to the original watchmen series which is still arguably one of the best graphic novels of yeah. all time. Yeah, but it, the only problem it has, and we already touched on it, is it has the same problem that Fight Club has. That Plunk did not intend Tyler Durden to be a role model. Yeah, Tyler Durden is not a role model. Ozymandias is not a role model, and Rorschach sure as hell isn't. And... Just as the original Watchmen dealt with the moral ambiguity of people who you assume to be right doing wrong things, this takes it from the look of people who are bad guys possibly doing the right thing. And how do you feel about that? Yeah. And, yeah, that, you know, that goes back to what I, I, I lovingly call the Ghostbusters dilemma, which is ultimately... Walter Peck was right. Yeah. Yeah, Walter Peck was doing his job correctly and had legitimate concerns. Yes. Uh, he just is presented in the movie as an antagonist. Whether or not he had a dick is, is irrelevant. Is irrelevant. He was he was doing the right thing. And, I'm sorry, that I couldn't resist. And he made, he, yeah. So, anyway. The, yeah, so I, I will get around. I, when I finally get an opportunity to watch it, uh, I will look forward to it. Also... Um, new season of Doctor Who just dropped, uh, started. Ah, yes. And I could hear the fanboys scream. So the big thing is they they a new iteration of a classic character yeah. shows up. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. The entire when I watched the episode, the this was a case of you know those rare cases where there's a huge spoiler. 
And somehow they managed to keep it under wraps until the big reveal. Yes. This Doctor Who was another one of those of they play up all this stuff and the mo and they were playing up in all the trailers that the opening episode was kind of an affectionate James Bond parody. Completely obfuscating the big actual reveal in the episode, which was brilliant. Um so yeah, I'm just looking yeah. forward to seeing uh this season's off to a great start. Excellent. I have to say that is a rem- it is remarkably fun when that can happen. Um the 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 one I always point to is um the the one and only time I actually got to uh meet Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh and of all things he and I discussed Shakespeare at sure. Shocked. Yeah. And I pointed out to him, it's like, I told him, I said, sir, I've, you know, I've been reading Shakespeare for 30 years. Your version surprised me. The play's been out for 400 years, and they still managed to have me jump back and yell, oh, shit, in the middle of, in the, middle of the show. Because they did it in such a new and innovative way. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it is fun that even jaded old white dudes like us sitting around grumping about uh, comic books can still be pleasantly surprised on occasion. Yeah. Speaking of, well... Which part? Comic books and also kind of an interesting jump off from Watchmen. Yes. Um, I mean, when Watchmen came out, it was on the heels of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. Which more more had a had a piece of. Because Moore's American Gothic, his grand Swamp Thing saga, managed to find, he found a way to elegantly tie it into Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was going on at the time. Immediately after that was when Watchmen yeah. uh, made its its debut. So um, right now you have, the we are in the midst of the CW's yes, adaptation they... of Crisis on Infinite Earths, which has been, it's really been interesting as somebody who is very familiar with the original series, um, of how they've taken the aspects of the universe the CW built from the DC characters and still adhere to a lot of the base concepts from the original Crisis. You know, the basic plot you have a wave of antimatter that is sweeping across the multiverse, destroying Earths in its path. Uh, the Monitor is bringing together heroes to try and oppose this uh, to defeat his antimatter counterpart, the Anti-Monitor. Of course. Um, and that those aspects, and that certain aspects from the comic are touched on. Um, so that part, the comic purist can go... All right, and they've got Pariah, Harbinger, all the all the important Crisis on Infinite Earths characters are there through the spin of the CW show. Now, one of the things they did, so in the original Crisis comics, they were visiting various alternate Earths that had been shown throughout um, the history of DC Comics. Wow. So in the TV show, what they've done is... Uh, made efforts to touch on every live-action version of DC properties that can possibly get their hands on. That's no small task. So in the first episode, Robert Wall, who uh, played Alexander Knox in the 1989 
when did when did Tim Burton's Batman come out? Uh, about then, yeah. Yeah. So he shows up in a scene, and they play the Danny Elfman Batman theme. <laughs> and he and there's a bat signal in the sky, so it's clearly that Earth. Um, they have Burt Ward show up, and you hear the da na 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 na. And each Earth number is Earth eighty nine, Earth sixty six. It's the year of the series. Sure. Um, That's a great <clears throat> way to touch on it for we mere mortals that yeah. haven't lived on this. Uh, and there was a, briefly in the wake of Smallville, there was a Birds of Prey TV series. They have one of the actresses from that show uh, pop up uh, as that Earth. Uh, they do a Smallville moment. They have so Brandon Roth is already part of the CW show as the Adam, but they also remember oh yeah he played Superman once, so they have him appear as Superman. And because his movie was supposed to be a continuation of the Donner films, mm-hmm. he is embod- He mentions events that were from the Christopher Reeve films. So he's meant to be the same Superman from both his film and the Christopher Reeve series. I, I, I like that, and I like that for, for not the obvious reason. Okay. Because I, it, what this is reminding me of is there are... There is that, it's a callback culture thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, what is it? The last episode of the t- season one of What We Do in the Shadows, mm-hmm. where they go through and they pull in all these famous, classically famous vampires. Oh, sure. When they, when they, they have the trial episode and Paul Rubin and Danny Trejo and Tilda Swinton yeah. and Evelyn Rachel Wood and Wesley Snipes all show up as variants of the vampires they played in movies. Exactly. And I th- that, is, that is such wonderful candy to people who have been immersed in, those, in, in that well, so fandom. So what they do is they've pointed out that Brandon Roth is getting his chance to revisit Superman and really put a good spin on it. Also, so John Wesley Shipp, who's been part of the Flash series since the beginning as Barry's father, reappears as the Barry Allen of Earth-90 because he played the Flash in the 90s series. They literally give a satisfying wrap-up to his version of the Flash, including playing a clip in a flashback from his show. Nice. Um, Thus wrapping up his arc from that original series. So it does give a little chance to, um, you know, tie up some loose. It even gives an almost, not quite. I still think Smallville had a terrible ending, but the Smallville sequence at least does a nice tie up of Smallville. So, so they've got that. And, but that's very fan servicey overall though. It's still a decent story because ultimately what they're working at is a culmination of what's been going on in their own shows for the last eight years. Yeah. Uh, which I think is the most, as they pointed out, Flash, since the debut of The Flash, they've been driving towards crisis. Well, since and, the debut of Marvel, they were driving towards the infin- yeah. uh, Infinity War. So they've, so. they've got that uh, They've got that going. And yeah, it's, um, so the interesting thing is they did three episodes before the holidays. Okay. Next week, they do the final two episode wrap up. And they've been very careful to not actually say what's happening on any of their shows post-crisis. 
Interesting. Although they have, other than Arrow, which this is meant to be the wrap-up of the Arrow series, all the rest of their shows got renewed for next season. Interesting. So they know they've got a future. Uh, so it'll just be interesting to see where they go from there. So yeah, that's uh, so that's that's basically what's going on with Geek TV. The um, the only thing in this, I haven't got CBS. I've still not watched Star Trek Discovery. Well, at this point, that's almost taking a backseat to everyone looking forward to the new Picard series. Which is kind of where I was driving. The, yeah. You've got the new Picard series. That might make me have to tip into into it. We'll see. Oh, so we, we you mentioned what we do in the shadows. Yes. Uh, we don't know a lot about the next season. We know it's being filmed. The only thing right now I know for sure about season two of what we do in the shadows is one episode has uh, Mark Hamill guest starring in it. Okay. That's it. All we oh, know is Mark Hamill's oh, in the episode. We, we know that Mark Hamill is actually going to be seen as opposed to heard for the first time in God knows how long. You know, actually, that's not true. He's been doing a lot of on-screen acting. Really? In the last few years. He, he's shown up in several episodes of The Flash. Oh. Because he was a villain in the nineteen in the 90s series, and he repraised that character in the new series. I love it. I, did, I had no idea. Yeah. So I, he's, I, no, it, actually, if you look around, Mark, he's been showing up in a lot of places. Mark has had... And it, it started a little bit before Star Wars came back. Mark started getting a renaissance. I think it was, interestingly, more nostalgia for his performance as the Joker than his work as Luke. But once the new trilogy started out and that the renewed of Luke, people got much more interested of, we just want to have Mark Hamill in the show. And Mark's the kind of guy who was like, I'm I'm not opposed to working. He's like I like eating. Okay, yes. I like and well that and he also like he's he's joyfully um, free of pretense about his career. Well, so you know that allows him to. So oh, you want me to do this funny bit? I'm game. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm still flashing back to uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Where he bursts in on the scene and the movie stops and it's like, hey kids, check it out. It's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So he's, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's one of those things. Oh, hey, Mark Hamill's going to be, the thing is it's hit that point now of Mark Hamill being in something is becoming a selling point again. Ah. Oh, hey, we've got Mark Hamill. And people's reaction these days is cool. Yeah. Here, take my oh, money. Yes. So I do want to touch on one other thing. Yes. So, did you ever watch season two of American Gods? Yes. All right. Um, one of the big issues going on right now is American Gods is now on its, you know, third season, third showrunner. Well, yes. And the new showrunner decided they didn't need the services of Mr. Orlando Jones. No. Say it isn't so. Yeah. They, they fired Orlando Jones. And the reasoning given was... That the showrunner felt that the character of Mr. Nancy was not who black America needs right now. Um, did they see season one, episode two, was it? Where he's on the boat? Yeah. And he get, delivers one of the best speeches I've seen on television ever? So you're beginning to see the heart of the issue. Yes. Yeah. They also oh. let go of the actor who plays the Jin. Oh, that's a shame. So, but, uh, but, yeah, the Orlando is the big one. And, and now, in his typical fashion, he's, 
he himself has not been quiet about it. Shocked. And is is basically saying, yeah, let, they can say what they want. This is what happened. And and of course he's he disagrees with the assessment. And a lot of people disagree. And it's the question is how bad a PR issue it will be once season three gets around. But you have a lot of people saying, well, if Mr. Nancy's not in the show, what's even the point? Well, there there are still points. And there are ways that uh, I suppose one could work around it. However, he is remarkably iconic. And meanwhile, I'm just sitting here trying to figure out how we're going to have the do it without the gin, which means we get stuck with Julian Bashir's younger brother. Yeah, it's so so that that's kind of an issue. Now, here's the interesting thing: the not the showrunner, okay, but the production company. Yeah. This is not the only problem they've had this year with letting people go under a cloud of um, unfortunate racial undertones. Oh, uh, a series of unfortunate racial undertones. I can see this as a new series. So, so the same production house that yeah. does American Gods also does the the reality show America's Got Talent. America's got problems. Okay, and yes. they just let go of uh, Gabrielle Union uh-huh. as one of their judges uh, when she was making some complaints about issues, including she was some some questions to modify her how she was dressing or doing her hair uh, due to issues like that. Plus, she was me. There were. Issues where she felt a hostile environment was perhaps being fostered, and their answer was letting. So this is twice now. This this production company has had to deal with this. Uh, it's uh, and the fact that both stories broke relatively close to each other. Yeah. It's not a good look. No, no. Well, I just, I mean, I wonder in a sense what's going to happen because Gaiman had his fingers in on American Gods from the get go. Yeah, and it's part of the reason why it worked so well. He had his fingers in on uh, uh, Good Omens, and I just kind of find myself scratching my head because he's, I mean, rumor control is they've started in on Sandman, which means he's getting further and further away from American Gods. Yes. He's never had complete control on American Gods. Yeah. Uh, He was only really brought in more actively in season two. Uh, Good Omens, he had total control. Good Omens was his baby. He wasn't going to let anyone else do that. And Sandman, I don't know that he has as much control as he had on Good Omens, but he certainly has more control than he did on American Gods. Oh, okay. Good to know. I was not aware. So, you know, if you if you want to track that trajectory. Um, so we have about five minutes left. I want to touch on one last thing. All right. Uh, it's one last TV thing, but it's a big deal right now. Yes. The Witcher. Ah, yes. Henry Cavill's ass strikes again. I'm sorry. Well, it's... Does so, that put us, put us over the lamb? No. Okay, no, good. we're fine with that. No, there's 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 very few words that go the R rating. Okay. If you can see it a lot in a PG-13 movie, or even on regular TV, okay. and ass, you're fine with. Uh, and we're wasting time on ass when we should be talking about. So, The Witcher, um, which just recently dropped on Netflix, it's kind of, it's having an interesting parallel with The Mandalorian. They're, they're both stories of loner mercenaries 
who end up uh, being responsible for the care of a young child. Are they green? No. Oh, okay, then I'm not interested. No. But <laughs> so The Witcher, based on a series of novels yes. from Poland, mm-hmm. uh, American audiences largely know them from the video game adaptation. I was going to say, I think I remember playing a Witcher game back in the day. Yeah, so so The Witcher, yeah, if you're in the U.S., you're probably familiar with it from the video games. If you're in Europe, you're probably familiar with it from the book series. And what's interesting is, so the showrunner, Lauren Hisrick, is she she was somebody who got her start on the West Wing. She, she learned oh. the trade from Aaron Sorkin. Okay, I like it already. She was the showrunner on Daredevil. The new Daredevil? Yeah. Okay, I'm liking it. And she uh, got The Witcher. She made uh, some key decisions. One was her. Uh, she has a great gender balance in her writing staff. Okay. And she understood that the series has three main characters, not one. That it's uh, Geralt, The Witcher, uh, Yennefer, his, his lover, and who is a sorceress, and then Siri, who is the MacGuffin child. Okay, then. And a lot of people have praised the series for, one, it has a... Um, they, they feel that somebody, because the Witcher series, the games are known for having rather... Um, they're sex scenes. And there's no classy fadeaway. Uh. There are just straight up... And, and so a lot of people tend to... Because of that, think of the series as, oh, is it, is it possibly sexist? And so with that reputation, earned or not, people look at the Witcher series and like, how is it that the Witcher gives us the best representation of female? There are female warriors in the Witcher Yay. wearing very appropriate armor. Good. Um, there is, in fact, a warrior queen who you buy. Yeah, this is a woman to fear. And if she swings a sword, it's going to be a problem for whoever's on the other side of it. Yes, good. Um, but Hisrick decided to adapt the original stories. Ah. So a lot of the video game people are going, what's going on here? And it's like, you know, she's, she's doing this stuff. She's messing up the story. And other people are going like, mess up, you mean adapt the original How many books? times have we seen that? Where it's like... Yeah. I mean, and some people are pointing out the the... Almost, you know, she's making some changes, but they're the changes you have to make to transfer a a show from book to TV, but still pretty much adhere as close as possible to you can to the books. Yeah, that. One of the things I love is, so there's a character. He is a friend of Geralt, a bard. Um, In the video games, he is called Dandelion. In the books in Poland, he is called Jasker, which is Polish for buttercup okay in the show he is yasker because most american audiences don't know that that's polish for buttercup (laughs) fair enough but the good thing is oh we got a bard in the show maybe we should hire someone who can i don't know sing sing hey uh and they have a earworm song in the second episode that he writes it is that his so much like the mandalorian you know that the witcher is hitting cultural consciousness due to the number of memes. I was going to say meme density. And there's two things, because Geralt does not talk a lot. He does two things commonly. He either goes, hmm, or he says, fuck. <laughs> and there we go. Oh, I've been saving that one. Uh-huh. And that's where the memes come in. It's You have super cuts of both of Every time he says those in the series. 
Um, but it also shows that, oh, look, give Henry Cavill good material to work with. Who knew? It's like, imagine if he'd had that level of material in Superman. Wow. But there is also the, um, the cinematographer and the fight choreographer um, had to become a tight unit mm -hmm. because there is a fight scene in the first episode where Geralt is taking on a gang of about eight people. Wow. Done as a one -er. As in a single shot. A single shot. Impressive. And yeah, it's and it's clean choreography where you can completely follow what's happening the entire time. Henry Cavill was born to have a sword in his hand. This is this is part of what's coming through. And they are constantly doing things where it's very clear that's not a stunt double. That's Henry. But also Does as Does he have a mustache? Oh, he does not. He, that, that joke never shows up, by the way. Yeah. Although because of stuff, especially from the video games, there are a couple episodes with him in the bathtub. That's the other meme. Fair enough. So Henry had to get in that shape. <laughs> so it's it's a good series. You, I would say check it out, and then we can talk about it next yeah, time. sure. With that, though, we are at wrap-up time. We are at wrap-up time. Okay. <laughs> we, we used all our time talking about Henry Cavill's ass. So I'm just gonna let that hang yeah. right there. <laughs> so uh, again, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we we will uh, again we shoot for once a month. Uh, we will do everything we can to do that. If you would like to drop us a line, we can be reached at fanboynewsnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, you can always drop comments on our website fanboynewsnetwork.com. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at fanboy underscore network. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there is now a Twitter account affiliated with us, uh, twitch.tv slash doctor underscore Caliban. Uh, with that, uh, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next month. Happy New Year, y'all. This program is produced by Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network and is copyright 2020 to Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network. All rights are reserved, including rights to copy and redistribute this program. All music in this podcast comes from the footage firm and is used under a royalty-free license.